Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera news updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by TunnelBear, the simple privacy app that makes it easy to access a more open internet and browse privately. Go to freetunnelbear.com and use it for free. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code CANADALAND at checkout. You'll get 10% off. Can I read you an email? It's not the shortest email, but I like this email. Uh, I got this from uh, a listener in September 2014. To Jesse Brown from Jim Sprague. Normally, I like your show. (laughs) I've been listening from the start. I don't expect to get very far with you, but I had to respond to this week's shit podcast. I've worked in small market television for 35 years, doing local news, retail commercials, raising a family, paying taxes, supporting my community. We're a small station that was dumped by Global after years of losing money. The employees got together and with help from the CRTC, who forced Global to meet with us, bought the station. On September 1st, 2009, we owned the station, but not the building. We had no programming, no equipment, and a competitor with more money than God. No one thought we would last a year, but we've lasted five years. And we're about to become profitable for the first time since the 70s. We now own our building and we actually rent a floor to the local CBC station. We've grown from less than 30 employees to about 65. That's 65 families that have had a paycheck for five years. In your podcast, you and your guests repeatedly brush off the idea that people want to protect the old model to protect their jobs, like they're irrelevant. Well, they're not irrelevant to those 65 families or the thousands of other families across Canada that are supported by local television. You come off as very smug and (laughs) self-satisfied. But I'm not sure what you think you have to be smug about because you really don't know that much. You're the guy at the party that always feels compelled to tell everyone that you don't own a television. You were talking about how we wouldn't become slaves to Netflix, which you already seem to be, because Silicon Valley will compete in the future with new ways of doing video and peer-to-peer. Wow, that's very insightful. Oh, and you said, I don't know a lot. That's probably the most accurate thing you said. (laughs) I'd love to hear your vision of the future. Obviously, it involves new ways of doing video and peer-to-peer, but who's going to report on my local council meeting? The new bridge they're building is going way over budget. I'd like to hear about that. Will I get that through peer-to-peer or on Netflix, on YouTube? When your Netflix-fueled utopia comes to pass, who is going to generate that content? I enjoy watching YouTube, but if you take away the stuff that somebody was paid to create, mostly for terrestrial television, all you're left with is guys hitting each other in the nuts and Russian dash cams. I understand that old television is dying. I doubt I'll retire from it. But could you be a little less gleeful 
about its demise. Just because you couldn't make it at the CBC doesn't mean that it doesn't still have value. <laughs> I'll probably keep listening, but you're still a pompous dick. That's from Jim Sprague. Jim, are you here? No, I read it all. Um, the, the TV station that Jim was writing to me about a couple years back is your own Czech TV here in Victoria. It is North America's only employee-owned TV station, and when Jim wrote to me about it, I became curious about it, and I, I was fr frankly curious to know if it was an innovation or an anachronism. Uh, I visited it this afternoon, and uh, in a moment, I will speak to Czech's News director and digital manager, Rob Germain. I suppose I should also call him a co-owner of Czech. And I will smugly and pompously ask him <laughs> why local TV matters. People, we are in the David Lamb Auditorium at the University of Victoria. Our hosts are CFUV 101.9 FM here in Victoria and Social Media Camp Victoria. We are recording Canada Land before a live audience. Hello. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Patrick Ferguson, Jim Shaver, Jane Hargraft, Stefan Dasrosier, Jonathan Blunden, Abel Ferreira, Stephen Childs, and Matt Calric. Matt, are you here? Matt, why did you decide to be awesome? Well, when I first moved to Canada, I was actively looking for a news source uh, that held the media and us accountable and uh, was providing some really independent, fantastic journalism. And uh, Canada Land just knocks it out of the park. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world. And BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they don't just reach out for that help. And one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if you're, if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself with more time because you have a better sense of what's important to you. Like it's an investment that can pay off even in that practical way of, of, organizing your life a bit better. These are some of the advantages in, in the long run of having something like BetterHelp in your life. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to the show, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Once again, it's betterhelp.com slash Canada Land. This episode is brought to you by AG1. Listen, taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That is why for months now, I start every day by drinking AG1. I take a scoop of this green powder, I mix it in a canister with water, shake it up, and I drink it. I get hydrated and I get energized and focused and ready to take on the day knowing that I have vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and a lot more. These are things that science tells us we need. They are also things that I don't necessarily get every day outside of my AG1. Listen, if there's one product that I'm gonna recommend that will help you elevate your health, 
It's AG1, and that is why I have been partnered up with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try it now, and you'll get a free welcome kit that includes a shaker bottle, canister, a metal scoop, along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. This episode is also brought to you by TunnelBear, the simple privacy app that makes it easy to access a more open internet and browse privately. It's very easy to use TunnelBear. You just choose a country in the app, you turn TunnelBear on, and then you watch your bear tunnel your internet connection to your new secured location. It's like you're surfing the internet from a foreign country. Why would you want to do that? What is the point of surfing the internet as if you were an American? Well, you can see the prices that Americans pay for things are often very different prices than Canadians pay for flights and, and for products. So you can avoid price discrimination. If you're surfing the internet through public Wi-Fi, you can secure your connection by using TunnelBear. Instead of using the open connection of a coffee shop or airport, you are now protected because everything that happens on TunnelBear is encrypted and they keep no logs of your behavior. So it's a powerful tool for your own safety and privacy. You know what? You might use it just because you believe privacy is a basic right. You simply want privacy. TunnelBear has apps for iOS, Android, PC, and Mac, plus a Chrome extension, and it's free. The first 500 megabytes are free. Go to freetunnelbear.com, start using it. You don't pay anything until you bust through that 500 megabyte cap. You don't have to give them a credit card. Check it out. It's kind of fun to use. It's very useful. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. It is a very fun and easy and simple way to get a website up and running quickly. And the Easiness doesn't end with the creation of that website, with the publishing of the website. You get your own URL, everything's set up. But the maintenance of that website, they have tech support 24-7, and you don't have to muck about under the hood. Everything has been tested. Everything has been worked out in advance. You're not building it from scratch. It's been beautifully designed, the back end, the front end by beautiful designers. You just plug in your own information, and you've got a website. Your site will look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. You don't have to do any coding at all, but you can if you know how to and want to. It's intuitive. It's easy to use. You get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CanadaLand. You will get 10% off of your first purchase. Rob Germain, hello. Good evening. I think we just heard via Jim uh, a bit of a condensed version of how you came to be the only employee-owned local station in North America, but you were telling me uh, a little bit about the moment at which it looked like there might not be a check anymore and, and how you guys sort of saved it at the 11th hour. And it, it's an incredible story. It's, it, it almost played out to me like the end of Weird Al Yankovic's UHF if that is not too obscure a reference, maybe you could give us, uh, in a nutshell, what it was like in those, in those moments where you didn't know whether there was going to be a station or not. Well, yeah, Cam West had put a check up for sale uh, in uh, 2009 for a dollar. Uh, and we figured that somebody was going to buy it for, for that price. And, uh, you know, we'd been through a lot with Cam West. Uh, I don't, maybe I can even go further back if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, you know, check was the first... And you probably don't know it, but Czech was the first tele commercial television station in BC, went on the air in uh, 1956. So we're celebrating 60 years this year. And come on, 60 years. 
I, I'll interrupt you just to Diane Dakers, who has written a book uh, about your station, Czech Republic. I, I found out reading it. <laughs> it's a good book. I don't know what you're laughing. She writes that uh, Czech was the first TV station in Canada with the ability to broadcast in color. Is that accurate? Diane's the expert on that. I, I, was, uh, I came to Czech after that. <laughs> But it was certainly a pioneering station and, uh, you know, has, had, has roots in the community. And, and when I came to check in 95, it was a CTV station, had been for a long time. It originally was a CBC affiliate, then became a CanWest Global affiliate in, in 2000, 2001. And first, with the times were you know, pretty good. They were spending a lot of money at check. Uh, we had a vice president come to check and said, you know, he's got a trunk full of cash and he's going to spend it right here. And if, he said, if there's one place I'd want to start my career as a journalist, in, uh, on the network, it would be right here in Victoria at Czech. And so it was good times for a little while. Um, they also bought the Times Colonist and they bought uh, properties in Vancouver, newspapers and television, and they were a real uh, convergence and a real uh, concentration of ownership too. This is, I think, a, a footnote from a, a longer conversation about the media consolidation that the government allowed and where, where it led us, I guess, is where it led you. They actually had a, we had a meeting early on uh, where we had all these editors and publishers and uh, general managers and a vice president, president of Convergence uh, looked at us and said, you know, in most countries they don't allow newspapers and television in the same market to be owned by one, uh, by one owner because it's, he says, it's, uh, it gives you an unfair advantage in the market. And he said, and you know what, we intend to capitalize on that unfair advantage. <laughs> And he's talking to a lot of journalists, and to my <laughs> mind, it never got it never got reported, uh, but um, which is interesting. But uh -huh. it, but things didn't quite go so well. They never really did capitalize on it, and they were losing money, and they were deep in debt. And uh, and and the way it affected us locally was that it, we were being cut back. And first we you know round and round after layoffs, we went from probably 90 or more people uh, when I first started at Check to fewer than uh, 30. Uh, in in eight years and it was it was pretty difficult you know we would just kind of recover from a round of layoffs and then there would be more and more consolidation and 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 so it was tough there were a lot of decisions being made for you know that were maybe good for the network maybe good for the company but not necessarily good for the local for the local station in fact they, they renamed us ch um, and nobody ever ever called us that it was check and so we went back to check eventually you know, they put us up for sale eventually. It came down to that. Uh, Jim, the guy who wrote your letter, he got laid off. They, they got rid of our entire production department. We, we were a local station, but we couldn't produce ads for our local advertisers. Um, and then eventually it came to the point where they put, it, put the station up for sale. And uh, we figured that they would, uh, you know, somebody was going to buy it, right? And this is and when the Asper's empire was crumbling, I guess. Yeah, and it was 2008 when the financial times were, you know, in a, yeah. in a turmoil. Uh, but still, we thought somebody's buy it, and, and it might probably be a good thing for us. Well, months later, they said, you know, if it if it doesn't sell by, you know, the the, the closing date would be August 31st of 2009. So by July, we're getting pretty nervous, and we're starting to come up with Plan B. Uh, you know, personally, everybody's coming up with their own Plan B, but we're also, you know, looking at, you know, is there a way that we could keep this going? And we'd been inspired, of all things, by uh, a pulp mill in Nanaimo. Uh, that a year or so earlier, uh, this pulp mill uh, had been shut down. Uh, these 300 mill workers laid off. Uh, the mill was mothballed. The head office in uh, Oregon was in receivership. 
And, and, and next thing you know that uh, they were, the receiver was looking for bids for this mill and the only bids were from offshore. They were gonna dismantle it piece by piece, take it offshore. The workers, these mill workers who have been unemployed decided to get together and put together some money and get some local investors and make a bid for the mill. And we're covering this story. We'd covered the layoffs. It was the biggest employer in Nanaimo. So it was a big story on the island. We've been covering all the ramifications of it. And, uh, and then when these guys got together and put in a bid and bought the mill back, I mean, that was a huge success story. And sure enough, we were there when they opened the mill and restarted it and raised the employee-owned flag on it. And, uh, and that was a real inspiration. So when, you know, it, when July came and, and the vice president again came to check, and this time they issued a layoff to everyone, including myself, uh, layoff notice for the end of August. And we said, well, maybe we can pull a Harmac, which is the name of the pulp mill in Nanaimo. And uh, I mean, from there, it, 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 it grew. The idea grew. The idea grew and you actually reached out to the mill for, for advice. And I understand that they became... An well, investor in yeah, check? As a matter of fact, uh, that we, we, <laughs> it's it's a weird story. It probably could never happen again. But yeah, the <laughs> the president of Harmac. Uh, New media know, is always looking to uh, mills for. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then they become your media partner. Your. Uh, the president of Harmac was gracious and said, "I'd be happy to give you guys advice. You know, talk, talk to you about how we could structure, you know, how you could structure the deal. If you're looking for in, in, other investors, he said, hey, 'Hey, I'd be happy to to look at your business model because that president uh, of that mill was actually the the backer, uh, one of the local investors that that backed the mill. And so, sure enough, he looked at our uh, business plan and he became our first uh, investor to come on board and back us. Having visited the station today and seen what you do." Um, and I hope that this won't sound too smug and pompous, but the station is adorable. Like, it's very charming. There's a few people who are pulling together to do this work. You, you told me yourself that the, the news set, you had a very fancy virtual news set when you had corporate ownership. Now that it's employee-owned, you all got together and for like $7,000 built and painted your own news desk. And a lot of it kind of evokes memories of growing up with local TV stations. When I read about Czech, Back to you know, the, the origins, the, uh, the first locally produced show, TV House Party, hosted by longtime radio DJ Norm Pringle, who said, I came up with an idea for House Party where we would get various people from high schools to lip sync to their records. Club Six, a very popular teen dance show back then, and then in the 80s, Shake It Up, <laughs> teen dance show with Kristen Erickson. Um, and then just like the whole idea of, of uh, I, th I have all these childhood memories of your, your local TV show, The Weather Guy, The Kids Show on Sundays, the advertisements for the used car dealership, The Crazy Furniture Guy. Uh, and, and, I, I, and right now you have a show on uh, called Check Around with Gordy Tupper. And it is almost in the realm for me of, of, of nostalgia, the way that we, we used to watch TV. But nostalgia isn't a business model. I check out Check Today, and when I turned it on, it was, uh, it was Judge Judy, and uh, I looked at your schedule, and it's uh, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy. You're showing the 2002 thriller Phone Booth with Colin Farrell tonight. I know why people get romantic or even very dire about print journalism and the need for print journalism. Make a case for me as to why communities need local channels like check we're talking to the news director 
<laughs> so I, I make a big case, especially for news, but local programming as well is important. And in many ways, we're going back to our roots uh, as, as you know, an independent broadcaster, as, as Czech was in the early 50s, you know, producing locally relevant programming. Yeah, we also have uh, other programs, Wheel of Fortune, Judge Judy, things that round out our schedule. But where, you know, Can West was all about the prime time and all about that, we, we've turned that model around. We're all about being local. That's our core business. Is it important? I mean, 85% of the people that, that CRTC surveyed said local television is very important to them, more than any other genre. And we saw it ourselves. When, when Can West was going to close our station, and it, became, it was within hours of closing, and I, I, we never really got to that part, but it, it, the public rallied. The public valued us. And that was actually one of the things that kept us going and, and making a go of it was that we knew that the, the product we produced, people valued. And we saw it again just last January when uh, the CRTC asked for input uh, as they're going through hearings looking at local and community television and whether or not there should be a fund established to help support it. And they asked for viewers to write in online, and I can tell you there was a flood of comments from people on Vancouver Island saying, I value check. It's important to me and my family. I watch it every single night. It's, there, there's still value in local television, absolutely. The story you told me earlier, it, it's not simply you projecting what the community wants. In order to buy the station, you told me a story of the employees rushing out to their banks and saying, excuse me, can I go to the front of the line? The bank's about to close, and I need to max out my line of credit. Rather than getting, at, at a moment where their own job security seemed very, very tenuous. They were going and putting all of their own money into owning a piece of check. So obviously this matters to you and your colleagues. I don't think you did that to keep reruns of, of Judge Judy or rebroadcasts of Judge Judy on the air. Uh, I, I can understand you doing that. You do two hours of news every weekday? Yes, we have news at 5, 6, 6.30 and, and 10. It is crucial. I mean, we're seeing this any time things happen in small We saw this in Fort McMurray. We need local news. Is maintaining a terrestrial radio station, the majority of the programming being produced elsewhere, the best model for funding two hours of much-needed local news every day? Hey, we're doing whatever we can. I mean, we carry infomercials in the mornings, uh, you know, it, we're, we're, we're doing, we're, we've become entrepreneurs. We're broadcasters, but we've had to become entrepreneurs to keep, to keep the lights on, to keep it going. But what we're really motivated by is producing news and information that matters to people, local programming that's relevant to people, bringing people together. I mean, we had 54,000 people watching our newscast last night all over Vancouver Island, live television. Everybody, you know, it's... It, it's when everybody is now consuming, you know, their own individual niche casting, you know, whatever it is, everybody's got a special interest and you can get it all on, on your tablet or on your screen somewhere. Uh, what, what Czech brings together is the community at one time to, and, and to share stories. There's value in that. I mean, it's important from a community perspective that we know what each other's doing, that we know each other's stories, that we, you know, and, and, and for that matter, you know, never mind, uncovering wrongdoing and holding, you know, authority accountable and, and, you know, going to bat for the little guy. That's what news organizations do. 
Um, but that's all important. But I think overall, the biggest thing we do is bring people together. The idea of TV is that public space, that campfire, uh, certainly when there's a traumatic event, when there's a news event in town, when there's a natural disaster, that happens. Day to day, the idea of like a destination newscast that is a newscast where somebody has made a decision about what's important today in, in a finite fixed period of time. Mm -hmm. It could be the biggest news day ever or it could be the most boring day ever. It's always the same length of a newscast. Uh, people are increasingly not getting their news that way. But you are following those audiences online and your titles are you're the news director, but you're also the head of Checks mm -hmm. Digital. Mm -hmm how much of your revenue is tied to your traditional broadcasting and how much of it is coming from what you're doing digitally? And uh, I guess the broader question is, if local news is going to be, I think inevitably, it, so all signs point to that it's not going to be true. I, 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 I've got like five questions here that I'm just sort of, do you agree? <laughs> like, do, I, I just can't see it 10 to 20 years from now. Like, is it going to be online? Is, is there going to be some... You know better than I do, or as well as I do. But you know, it's anybody. It's all coming together. It's all content. Yeah. And and people are consuming more content than ever before. People are consuming more television than ever before. Whether it's on Netflix or whether it's on video, linear TV, video. But they're consuming it by the ton. You know, from the morning moment they get up to the moment they go to bed at night. And what I believe is we need to do, what our job is, is to, is to produce compelling local content. Because there's a lot of fragmentation out there. It's hard for, for businesses to make money in this market, but there is a, a huge demand for local content. And that's where we come in. And that's where the expertise, decades of expertise, is, is that to, to produce, to tell stories with moving pictures about what's happening in this community is what you guys do. The question that's being asked across this country, across the world is, are television stations like your own going to be able to make that leap? I think that there is going to be some form of local video news, probably delivered through some kind of online service. Will it be some new company that no one's anticipated yet? Or will companies like your own, will stations like your own be able to navigate that leap? And that's why I ask you, what is the revenue breakdown? How much of it is coming from digital? Yeah, right now it's... it's, it's vastly uh, weighted towards the, the broadcast side, yeah. obviously. Uh, but the, the digital side is increasing. But, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, that, that's an advertising-based uh, 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 system. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, people right now are actually paying for local television. We're just not getting a cut of it. So people are paying a lot of money. What do you They're mean? They're paying 25 or 40 bucks for their basic cable package, and I know there are some people that don't, you know, they're cord cutting, and, and some people that are no, you know, never uh, cord, whatever they call it, cord, cord, cord nevers. never halves, I guess. Cord nevers. Let's let's just uh, do a little quick strapple. Uh, how many people here have cable television? What do you think? Is that twenty percent of the room? I'd go a little more than that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but nevertheless, you know. Okay. okay. And, and, and how many people have had it but have cut that cord? 35, all right. <laughs> uh, a good portion of the room seems to have gotten rid of their cable. How many people are paying for Netflix? <laughs> so you're paying 70% for, so for you're our paying listening for audience? television. Yeah, they're paying for television. You're paying for television. Okay. So uh, you'd pay for check? If check had an... If That's had the a, next question. Great question. How many people here would pay for check? And hold on. How many people would pay for check 
If you pay, if you're paying seven ninety five for Netflix for one local station, I think your price point. What do you think? Two ninety nine. Two ninety nine a month for check. How many people would pay? I think we got sixty uh, percent of the room. Anyhow, that's interesting. It's worth a shot. I'm surprised that no one's tried it yet. Would you try that? We're open to anything. To, to keep it. <laughs> In fact, we are. We're looking at, at lots of things. We're looking at uh, Apple TV. We're looking at, you know, we're, we're certainly trying to, we're trying to make it easy to, to reach our audiences. I mean, there are a lot of loyal, we have a lot of loyal uh, viewers that watch Check every night. As I say, you know, in the 50, 54,000 last night watching our newscast. Uh, so that, that and that, that hasn't diminished significantly. And, and, and you know, young people, for, frankly, have never watched television newscasts or subscribe to newspapers. Yeah, that's true. You know, let's be frank about the that. The demographics have but, always skewed what? But, but we reach them now where uh-huh. we didn't before online through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram. We're reaching those people. I mean, my, my son and daughter, you know, they come downstairs and they're, they're talking about a story or I'm, you know, at the dinner table. And I said, where'd you hear about that story? Oh, somebody shared the story with them. I know it's a Czech story. I know they didn't see it on Czech because they rarely watch it, you know, unless I make them. <laughs> But so we're reaching those people, and, and, and our demographics on Facebook are, you know, tw- women 25 to uh, 34 is the, is the highest demographic on Facebook. News consumption online, there's no question that it's not that people aren't reading news anymore, but the, the, the dollars haven't followed. The eyeballs have, the attention has, but the dollars haven't. Meanwhile, the lion's share of your revenue comes from a system that is, uh, CRTC said the revenue is down last year. You know, 2.6%, not off a cliff. Uh, you may have a, a nice steady, maybe that's going to be 2% a year, or maybe it'll be like print where very, very suddenly it went off a cliff. Um, where do you see that new revenue coming from? Is, is it, it seems like it's a very familiar dilemma you guys have where you're, you're invested in the old system to kind of just keep you alive mm-hmm. while you wait for that new business model mm-hmm. to materialize. Well, we're waiting right now for a decision from the CRTC that could have a real impact uh, on check. When we first became independent, we were access, accessing a fund called the Local Program Improvement Fund. It was a significant uh, uh, dollars for check, and it was based on how much you spent on local programming, and you, got, you were able to recoup some of those costs through this fund. It was uh, a big part of our, our business plan, our business model. Uh, we knew it wasn't forever. It was a temporary fund, but we were expecting that fee for carriage would replace that because the the CRTC was uh, was uh, trying to implement that, and the cable companies fought it uh, uh, vigorously, and it ended up ended up uh, going to court and being uh, and losing in a in a split decision. Uh, so we didn't get fee for carriage, and then this local pro- program improvement fund was cut, and it has severely impacted our ability. We've had to significantly reduce the amount of programming that we originally did when we first went on the air as an independent station. We're now waiting for this for a decision from the CRTC that that may again produce create a local news fund that we would be able to access. The cable companies, as I said before, they're collecting twenty to forty dollars for a basic cable package. Uh, from people who think they're paying for local TV, but they're keeping it for themselves. And we're also having to compete against all the stations, all the specialty channels you watch, they all get subscription fees. If we were an American channel, if we were a local station in the US, we would get redistribution rates. The cable companies are taking our signal, redistributing it 
on a basic cable package. They're charging customers for that. We get nothing for that. So when people buy a, a package that includes your channel, you get nothing from that? Nothing. You're only getting money from the advertising sold against Just that. the advertising. And we have to compete against specialty channels that get subscription fees, they yeah. get a cut, and they get the advertising revenue. We've covered this before, and some of these channels are bundled in. Their their, their viewership is incredibly small, and they have guaranteed revenues in the exactly. millions some, uh, to, to rerun American Czech, programming. Czech would have much higher audiences than many of these specialty channels, and yet the specialty channels get millions of dollars in, in subscription fees. The the basic, the conventional TV stations get nothing. Here's here's the thing, though. Uh, I mean, that sounds like a raw deal for sure. And when you when you weigh the uh, public value of some of the things that are happening on, uh, I mean, even stations that originally had a public mandate like book television we've talked about before on this show, where, okay, yeah, a, a show that actually interviews authors and is about books, bundle that in, and then anybody who subscribes to cable, typically some of that money is going to book TV. They're not doing any original programming anymore, and they're showing reruns of the Waltons, and they have, they're just a, a guaranteed paycheck for the owner of that station of millions of dollars a year, and, they're, and they're, CRTC is trying to phase out those those channels. It's not fair that they get the money and you don't. I can understand why you're involved in these policy machinations to try to get some of that redistributed your way. But all of that still flows from a, a cable system which itself might be endangered. You're still looking for a piece of a pie where the pie, some would say, is getting smaller and smaller and will, will cease to exist at some point. I guess what I want to know is, it's possible that doing local news, everyone can agree that it's valuable because people watch it. Everyone can agree, even if those who don't watch it say, yeah, I'm glad that exists because even if I don't catch it, you know, only when something terrible happens or just to know that somebody's watching my legislators to know, to keep an eye on them, I want them to be there whether I watch it or not. So it's good. There's value. There's value for the people who work there. There's value for the community, but maybe it isn't a profit maker. Maybe if you are ultimately going to be forced into a sink or swim advertising revenue or nothing situation, do you think this should just be funded as a public good? Uh, we, we, we think that CBC is the only public broadcaster. Of course, all of the broadcasting we have in Canada has some form of, of government subsidy. Should, it be, should local news just be kind of rolled into that entirely? Well, it may come to that. You know, I, I, think, that there, I think that it is possible to, to you know, we've shown there's value in what we do. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of money in the system. Uh, the, the, the fund that the, the CRTC is looking at creating, um, there's existing money, $150 million uh, that the cable companies already pay into community channels, uh, community access channels. And so what the C CRTC is looking at is, are those still necessary in the age of YouTube and you know, where, where groups and, and people with special interests can get their message out now through, through those means? Are those as necessary when, when local television with local news programming that is, that is so highly valued, according to their own surveys, gets no money? So, the, so they're looking at redirecting some of that $150 million yeah. towards $150 million. Dollars. And, and, and that let, would go a long way. It would go a long way. And I, I, I want to actually tell you guys about this because so you think about local access TV, you know, and you think about like Wayne's World or like, you know, 3 a.m., you know, and you're, you're flipping through and there's just some bizarre uh, channel where somebody is some special interest or some very small community. And this is part of licensing obligations to, f to give something back to the community and the stations do it. That $150 million fund, a lot of that, as I understand it, is now not just local access. It's on-demand local access. 
So the only way you're going to watch those channels, it's not like before where you just happen to flip by it and you're like, oh, this is odd. I'll watch this for 15 minutes. You would have to actually go through the menus and pick that, that station and say, that I, destination, like opt-in, I want to watch this. I'm going to binge through. And I, and I mean, like, there's no disrespect to these. If there's a place in the universe, you know, sort of what you're saying, Rob, if there's like, uh, you know, the, the Sri Lankan hour, great. You know, that's, that's serving a community. But there's, there's no block to doing that when you've got YouTube in a million different ways. It's not as if we're... I think that was built for a time when there was no way for marginal voices to get any airtime in any way, shape, or form. Now, the YouTube version of those shows, some of them get thousands and thousands of views, and the stuff that is actually getting funded by the system to the tune of $150 million a year, some of these shows have like four dozen views per show. And that's, be, that's being professionally produced by our media companies. So the, and 100% subsidized. 100% subsidized. And, 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 and for that matter, the community channel in our market, at least, um, you know, they're, they're, they have 100% subsidized programs, but they're still producing shows that will cater to sponsors so that they can get advertising dollars. And they're actually competing in the marketplace for, with, with a conventional you know, business like ours. So the local, the local access stuff is actually, they're double dipping, I guess, and getting advertising. And competing with, for, for ad dollars with us. Yeah. How do I know this about our on-demand local access? <laughs> because I had a contract to make eight Canada Land videos and I was astounded that this was happening. Bell was, and I owned the copyright to it when I first started Canada Land. They paid me to sit in this weird set and make these Canada Land videos. I said, how am I getting away with this? But it's happening. And, <laughs> um, and some of the content is great, but, you know, no one knows it's there. Um, <laughs> not mine, you know. There, it was early work. <laughs> Rob, how is it going? Um, this story about this kind of uh, plucky, intrepid, uh, saving the station at the 11th hour, um, Jim told us about how things were growing and growing. You bought the building, you doubled your staff, uh, but it hasn't all just been a, a complete success story. How confident are you in, in uh, the existence of Czech? Uh, how are things now as opposed to a year or two ago? Tell us what you can. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Jim uh, summed it up when he said, you know, people, there were a lot of people who discounted, didn't say we'd make it six months. And uh, me personally, I thought if we make it five years, that would be a success. Uh, we're now seven years. I think we're going to make 10, no problem. No problem. Um, you know, we're in the black, I'm, I'm proud to say, and we don't really have a choice. We don't have, you know, we, we are not a vertically integrated network. We're competing against one, uh, but we, uh, we're, we have to be a standalone station. We have to make it on our own. We don't have any, any way to fall back on. So we've got to be in the black. So, we, you know, I'm proud to say we are. We've worked hard to do it, and it has been easy. But then they say, you know, anything that's worth, worth doing is hard, and it is, uh, but uh, I'm extremely proud uh, of everybody at Czech, all the employee owners, all the people who backed us. Uh, you know, we are, we're making it, and, uh, and we're doing, you know, I think, a, a good job. What's the biggest pressure on, on Czech right now? What's the biggest threat to its existence? Uh, national revenue is, is down significantly. Uh, we, again, have to compete with the vertically integrated networks that, uh, you know, why, why, do you, why, do, why does a national advertiser need to buy ad time in, uh, you know, in Victoria when they can uh, buy a network uh, that is shown in Victoria, maybe from Vancouver, but, uh, you know, that, and, 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 and national ad dollars are going down just generally because they're, they're, you know, a lot of the dollars are going to digital, 
uh, but then you know the fewer dollars that there are, we have a hard time competing for. Rob, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming tonight. That is your Canada Land Show. I hope you enjoyed it. This show's website is canadalandshow.com. The crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. You can send me an email at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read them all and I respond when I can. We are on Twitter at Canadaland. The next episode of Canadaland Commons will be up on Tuesday. And the next episode of Canadaland Shortcuts will be up on Thursday. Special thanks this week to Social Media Camp, Paul Holmes, to everybody at CFUV, Johnny Regalado, to Diane Dakers for the free copy of her book, Czech Republic, and to our live audience here tonight. Thank you.